Hello and welcome to The Masked Cricketer, a cricket Q&A podcast based on the live show that took place over the UK lockdown of 2020. In this episode, our Masked Cricketer is full of stories of all the people they've played with over the years. Let's see how many names you recognise. The Mass Cricketer shares tales of playing in some heated finals and what it's like being recruited to be a dressing room cameraman. Today's podcast and the live show are all about raising awareness and funds for the Lord Taverners charity. Right, we better get on with it. K-Dog, who's the Mass Cricketer? Are you Jack Brooks? You'll say no now. Double bluff. Hey, it's Brooksy yeah. Ferret. Brooksy Ferret's in the building. Very good. Jack, how was warm that for you? I feel like I've been in a sauna. A bit warm, I have to say. How <laughs> are you doing? You are right? Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself, you all fit and well and ready and waiting to yeah. get back up, out on that field? Yeah, all good, mate. I'm back in Taunton now, back training tomorrow. What 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 has lockdown been like for, for you? Jack, what's happened? What's your fitness regime been? And what else have you been doing? Um, for the whole of lockdown, I was living, I moved in with my girlfriend in North London. I thought I'd give her a relationship a crack. So um survived that, managed to keep fit and not kill each other. But I'm back in Taunton now, ready to get going with cricket. So, um, yeah, I managed to tick over with my fitness and um, done a few little things here and there to keep myself busy. But podcasts here and there but yeah it's been all right really i can't complain really with what some people have had to deal with yeah it's been it has been tough hasn't it to be fair so if you had fitness to do have you stuck to that rigidly or were they getting you to do other things or or did you just keep yourself trim anyway uh well i'd try and keep myself trim anyway because i like my food and drink yeah i've had a program to to deal with and I've done a bit of rehab on my Achilles I've had a long-standing Achilles injuries plenty of rehab I've only been been back running about five or six weeks so um, it was good to get out and start pounding away in the parks in the streets of London do you think that lockdowns actually helped you a little bit to to get back to to full fitness do you think or um, am I barking up the wrong Um, physically wise I, I don't know it would have been all right I could have done a lot more if I had access to a proper gym but I think mentally generally um I only really came to the realization with this like mentally I think I needed the break more than anything uh, which I never really thought about so I haven't really had a break since I left Yorkshire really moving clubs and uh, moving house and having to deal with all that in quite a distance and then going straight into a winter with a new team and then obviously straight into a new summer off the back of that um and then straight away last winter doing rehab and stuff. I'm really out of chance for breaks. So it's been quite nice just to switch off for the first sort of eight weeks of lockdown. I was not interested in cricket at all, to be honest. I was switched off. I wasn't wasn't really worried or think about that at all. No, brilliant. Um, that, that's, that sounds like, you know, <laughs> it certainly recharged my battery, I know. So it, I think sometimes you just need that break away from it, don't you, and, and, and reassess things which is good. I, I was just coming in, actually, because I, I haven't plugged it tonight. Um, obviously, we're always doing this for the Lords Taverners and Oxfordshire Disability Table and Super 1 Cricket. You are the Oxfordshire 
ambassador for um, disability cricket, actually, Jack, aren't you? Can you tell us how that went about and, and what else you've been doing? I know, I know you've been doing some stuff in, in Somerset as well. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, Dick Giles got in touch. I think he runs the hub in, in Oxfordshire, doesn't he? Um, he got in touch and asked if I'd be interested in coming on board and I jumped to the chance, to be honest. It didn't take much to convince me. Um, I've done a fair amount of disability and, and, and sort of disabled access cricket over the years. I've done a lot more at Somerset, really, since I've been there. They've got really good links with a local um, local school where disabled and, and kids with learning difficulties go to. Um, and I helped set up the super ones in Bridgewater as well, which was really cool to get involved with. Um, we've had a couple of times where some uh, some kids have come down and, and played on the pitch at lunchtime and, and during games. So when I wasn't available, I'd join in. So, yeah, it's really rewarding and, and good fun. It's, it's such a worthy cause. And, um, you know, like I say, there it is, scrolling down the bottom, everybody. Please give generously if you can. It, you know, we, we were thinking this, um, Selv and Kieran, the other night that, you know, we've had 3,000 views on a, on a little promo that we did last night for tonight's show. If everybody gave a pound, you know, two pound, we, we would be laughing, wouldn't we? It would be great for the charity. So it's how little you can do would, would make a massive impact to those uh, disadvantaged and disabled children. So... Um, uh, anything you can, pl please do. Kieran, I know you, you're waiting patiently there. Always patient. Jack, um, I don't want to big you up too much because uh, we all know and love you. You're an Oxfordshire legend. You you started, of course, you started out at the wonderful Tiddington Cricket Club. I've seen images of you with your dad in short trousers or long trousers. Um, you are the archetypal Oxfordshire through and through lad, aren't you? you you've 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 started at village cricket and, and you've managed to progress all the way to the top of the game, really, you know, playing for Yorkshire County Champions. Um, talk us through your, your sort of career and, and how, how it came about, actually, because it's, it's a fantastic journey that you've had and, and you started relatively late. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really good at flagging it, Kieran. To be honest, like, I get asked this question quite a lot. How did I progress from sort of village cricket to that? And I don't have one answer, really. That's I know Graham Charlesworth, who had a lot to do with me at Oxford Cricket Club. He's a good top coach and had some good advice for me back in the day. Um, and he's still one I bump into now. He sort of scratches his head and uh, said, how did you go from like a short, tubby, away swing bowler with a keeper up from village cricket to bowl in sort of 85, 90 mile an hour regularly a few years later and being a bit of a big unit? And I don't know, really. Um, it's been good fun. It's been a hell of a journey. And I suppose when it's all over, I'll get a chance to look back properly and look at sort of the opportunities I took when they came, which is the main thing. But yeah, no, I'm Oxford through and through. And I only really left Tiddington to play for Oxford because I started to improve then. And I realised that I had a bit of a desire to test myself and play the high level possible. And I got a taste of Oxfordshire cricket. I was generally in a pretty comfort zone with, uh, at Tiddington. I was playing with my mates, my brother, in my home village where the parents live. Like, still got some really good friends down there. I'll always, I'll always have links down to that club, I think. Um, but then... Um, some clubs in Oxfordshire came in for me and I had to make a decision where to go really and um, it was a tough decision at the time but looking back it was obviously very easy but to leave your sort of home comforts to go and play for a home county Premier League team but I need I know I needed to because I wanted to play more for Oxfordshire and be um, as good as I could for Oxfordshire and win games of cricket and I played Oxfordshire youth cricket all the way through so all I wanted to do at that time was be the best player in Oxfordshire really it took me a while to sort of figure it out physically mentally and to get going, have a bit of self-belief. And I had a winter in Australia when I was 19, 20 in Perth, where I grew up quite a lot. And 
um, sort of became a bit more independent and got an idea. I played some real tough cricket out there, great cricket in Perth. Um, you know, you don't get it easy over there, but it was it was such good fun. And it sort of toughened me up and it made me come back a completely different cricketer as well. Um, so I started to try and bowl quick and have a bit more about me, aggression-wise. I've always enjoyed playing cricket, and, but the, my desire to win and be successful just grew from that, really. And um, I, I left Tillington and, and joined Oxford Cricket Club, which was a choice between them and Banbury, really, and Aston Rowan, maybe, at the time. I remember a few people from each club were got ringing me, up, ringing me up, trying to get me to go there. Um, but Oxford looked to me from the outside to be my best bet and had a lot of good friends there as well. Um, and as it turned out, it was like the best move I could have made. But it took me a little while to get adjusted to it for about a season. But when Jason Harrison arrived, it all went from there, really. He got us, turned us into a proper team. Um, we had some fantastically talented cricketers without really having a, a sort of standout ex-pro or overseas player. We just had a lot of very good cricketers and most of them had played with each other for a long time. Um, you know, like Stuart Lord is obviously an absolute gun cricketer for Oxfordshire. Rupert Evans, Graham Charlesworth, Ian Crosby, Adam Cook, they played together a lot. John Williams, um, and you got myself, Stuart Hull, Simon Hull, Chris Sandbach, John O. Evans. Uh, you, the list goes on really, but um, we had a, like Shami Mendes as well. But at our best, we had an unbelievable team that just gelled and knew how to win. And it was a great experience for a couple of years. Like We generally really had a lot of fun playing together. There's some good battles with Banbury as well at the time. We were the only sort of two top teams in Oxfordshire. But during that time, I was playing for Oxfordshire regularly. And I think somebody came to watch me without me realising from Surrey. Jeff Arnold came down from Surrey to watch without me realising. And I think Graham Charlesworth, Joe Porter, Rupert and Jason obviously was a massive part of that. Sort of saying, that do you want to give second team cricket a crack? Like people will be there to offer you a trial if you want it. I'm not saying you'll be a professional, but do you want to play second team cricket? Still had a bit of a bellish mentality, to be honest. I was still playing for a laugh and I was taking it more seriously. I wasn't really drinking on a Friday night anymore, but um, I thought, yeah, why not? Give it a crack. But I was working nine till five, so I was having to take time off work to do it. So I started at Surrey and uh, only played a couple of games, but got a taste of second team cricket, realised it's quite a big step up. So I wasn't still sure, you know, being professional cricket was a mile off really then. But I was playing with... At Surrey Twos at the time, a young Chris Jordan, 17 year old Jason Roy, Stuart Meeker, like some good cricketers. And then I came back from there, they weren't really interested, so I just went back to working in, in my sales job and just still playing for Oxford and Oxford that summer, which was 2008. And then I got a call from someone who said, Look, you should pop along to Northlands. They have a, an open trial coming up where they just basically anyone can turn up almost and they just look at some raw cricketers and see if they can sort of turn them into a decent cricketer. And uh, so I turned up to this open net, not really knowing what to expect. And um, picked a brand new ball out of the bag and just bowled bounces for an hour and a half at the North Fans 2s and, and, and academy players. And to be honest, there was only really sort of two or three trialists there who were sort of minor county level. The rest were pure club cricketers. And one guy turned up in like Rep Clear England one day kit. Another guy said, uh, can I borrow someone's pads? Like it was a bit village with some of it. But I was bowling well, and I, I clearly wound up a few of the Northlands boys. I went on to be good friends with some of these lads, but they were like, we were 19, 20, we were hungover, we'd been on a massive night out the night before after a, after a game. And you got you running in bowling bounces at us for, <laughs> for an hour and a half. But I make no apologies about it, because at the end of the session, they came over, and I thought they were going to say, oh, thanks very much, we'll be in touch. But they said, um, are you free for a game next week? We, we're playing Warwickshire here. We need, um, we need a seamer. We're looking at seamers. 
can you fit the bill? And I didn't really know if I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it was at the county grounds. So it'd be my first time playing cricket on a first class pitch against Warwickshire seconds who happened to have Stuart Hole playing for them. So I was playing against one of my, my sort of good friends who I played club cricket with. I grew up playing against him. And then suddenly he was contract at the time. So he was a professional cricketer. So I wanted to emulate him and, you know, do what he was doing. So my first game for Northampton twos was against Warwickshire twos at the county ground. And, uh, against Stuart Hall, my sort of good pal. I can't remember the result of the game off the top of my head, but I took six for 90 and scored 40-odd batting at eight. A really bad 40-odd, like, edges and some horrible shots. But the fact I'd got some wickets and sort of stood out against a, a good team. They had a lot of good players playing, first-team cricketers with them, on a county pitch as well, so I had proper carry and bounce. And I thought, yeah, I can, I can do this. And I played two more games for them. Obviously impressed them. I played two more games that summer. So I only played three twos games for North Hans. But then there, David Capel pulled me in before the end of the summer. I don't really know what to expect because I was still taking days off from my day job to um, to play cricket. And my boss said, you've run out of days. You're going to have to um, take unpaid leave. And I was like, well, I still want to do that. And he goes, actually, I'll let it slide. I'll still pay you, but just don't tell anyone. So no one knows that, that to this day, really, that my job they were still paying me for about 10 days when I was off gallivanting around the country playing cricket um, <laughs> yeah they do now so yeah it's all happened really quickly and then David Capel just pulled me in the office I think it was before a championship game against Essex when they want me to come in and net bowl and they sort of said look here's a one-year contract do you want it and I pretended not to sort of give away too much and um, I think I rang my, the old man when I left the office pretty sure he shed a tear down the phone and uh, I was like, I'll pretend to think about it, but I'll, I'll ring up late and say I'll sign. But um, yeah, and it just went from there, really. And um, I suppose it's a it's a good story to tell. And it, it's like I was 24, I think. Yeah, I was 24 that summer. So anyone who's sort of early 20s, even getting into the mid 20s now, like if you've had a taste of it and you're playing a good standard of cricket, it come down to some to desire and make the most of your ability. I'm not saying that it definitely happened, but if you take your opportunity, you never know what could happen. And um, I, I never would have planned or guessed that I'd end up playing for 12 years, moving to Yorkshire, winning championships, playing on lines, still playing now at 36. So it's, um, it's been a funny old journey, but it's been nice to have shared it with so many people. And uh, I've got a good affinity with Oxfordshire and the people with it in the Child League and the home counties. And there's still a lot of people playing now that I've played against and with and I've had some good messages over the years. So um, this is partly like a thank you for all the messages I've had from everyone in the county over the years. But... Um, I suppose because when you pet against and with quite a lot of people that are still involved, it means that a little bit more as well. I suppose that's why it might appeal to some sort of people. But um, yeah, it's been amazing. I couldn't have, couldn't have asked for anything more. Really. Jack, I'm going to pick up on a, a couple of things that you said there. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, Jason Harrison at Oxford. Um, uh, knew Jason quite well. Um, he played first-class cricket for Middlesex. Um, but he had a real he had a real way about him of bringing the best out of players, uh, I think, and, and a way of having a real plan when you're playing particular um, teams as well. I think was he a, a good inspiration for you at Oxford? Yeah, he was my main inspiration, to be honest, um, Seamus. Um, to be sure, like when I joined Oxford, he wasn't there. He actually joined after I think I'd already been there a year when he came in as. Um, sort of player coach he was the only guy paid to play but he was also our coach and like you said he'd been a professional Middlesex he knew what it took to be a professional cricketer he was hard-nosed he was horrible to play against I remember playing against him a few times he was horrible um, 
and he played for a strong Wickham team and had won games and titles and played for Buckinghamshire and won things with them. And he just a winner, wasn't he? Yeah. And he knew what it took. And he um he saw something special in the Oxford group. He uh, we we just avoided relegation in two thousand six, I think it was. And we had the same squad pretty much the next summer, apart from Jason, and we won the and we won the Premier League um, with pretty much the same group of players. All it took was him to organise us and uh, just sort of turn us around, change our attitude, make us a bit more professional, um, a bit more of a clued-up idea, have good set plans, take someone like me who's a bit of a village idiot and uh, sort of give me. I, I needed a bit of a telling off a few times from a few of the senior lads and. Someone like him, you, you, I just wanted to listen and, and get better. And when you had people like him and Rupert, Graham Charlesworth, and then you had Joe Porter, who had played for Surrey and was around at the same time, and Stuart Hull, Richard Gilbert ended up joining. He played first-class cricket as well. Um, I couldn't not improve in that environment, and Jason was a huge part of that. And even when I turned pro, especially for my first few years, I used to still stay in touch and talk to him about, you know, if I needed to, a bit of advice or anything, I'd, he'd be my go-to and still nice to listen to him and, and talk to him now. We had a catch-up on um, on Zoom about a month or so ago with uh, Crozer and I had organised like an ex-Oxford Cricket Club one. So the sort of the team from that era, we got everyone together on Zoom, which I don't think any of us had been together for, for that long. Um, so it was good just to have sort of 15 lads who had experienced like a cool time of our lives together. Although it was amateur cricket, it meant a lot to us at the time. And some of the big characters in there, whenever Jason spoke, that everyone was just like, silent and listening like like the little <laughs> minions that we were back in the day still got that presence about him he's um i am i am a lot just for attitude more than anything really brilliant absolutely brilliant i mean like you say there's loads and loads of names there you've mentioned and you know good cricketers within in the oxfordshire fraternity for sure you mentioned about inspirations i mean who who do you is your dad your main inspiration in, into cricket would that be a, a am i going again in the wrong direction but is is that fair to say you know it's funny because he's given me so much crap over the years because i've never mentioned whenever someone says oh where did you get you I, I honest i said on tv once i've got no cricket in pedigree in my family so i don't, I don't come from any sort of cricket family <laughs> but like obviously everyone's dads and older siblings are their heroes and they want to be them and emulate them and everything and i was very lucky that i had a dad and an older brother that played my brother was very talented at rugby as well dad was obviously and still is mad on cricket the biggest cricket badger you'll ever meet but as a kid like because he worked nights i'd only ever see him on the weekend if he played cricket so i'd always be down the road playing cricket in the nets with the other young lads watching my dad and even if he wasn't playing at home i'd still go down and watch tiddington whoever were playing at home so obviously you're going to be inspired by by your old man in that position. He never forced it on me. Um, he's always been there to lend an ear. He does know about the game. I've had to remind him a few times, particularly early on in my career. I was like, Dad, I've got a little bit more experience of the pro game than you. So just um, keep a little bit at times. But cause sometimes I come home, back home to see my family when I wasn't, wasn't living there anymore. And uh, he would barrage me sometimes with questions. I'd say, look, I'll give you an hour of questioning, but that's it. I don't want to talk about cricket after that. Um, but bless him, he just loves the game, doesn't he? And he does know the game. Um, and when it's really mattered, I will, will ring him up for advice. And especially the last time we had a proper, real deep chat about cricket and advice would have been when I left Yorkshire, which was a big moment for me. Um, but he gave me some cracking advice and just was a, was a good dad. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've made him very proud, I think. Anyone who's met him probably probably told him about a thousand times that 
to his son is and everything that goes with it. It is a bit embarrassing, but I mean, he's just a proud dad, isn't he? So I'm just doing what he wanted to have done. And uh, same my brother, great, like, to be honest. I mean, you all know what dad's like. He's a bit of a character. Um, it's funny having Don Brooks as your old man because he's uh, he's very well known and in, in, in Oxford's cricket circles. But um, I, I owe a lot to my, my brother as well because he's 10, 11 years older than me. And anyone knows him, he's a He's a man mountain of a bloke, big gentle giant, but he, he was a talented cricket in his own right and he used to try and bowl quick and whack it out the ground, which is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I spent the first half of my life competing with him, wanting to be better than him. And we would be playing all the time when he got home from work, we'd play out in the garden, in the hall, in the kitchen, in the garage. Like He was an adult, but he still wanted to play with his little brother. And he never used to let me win. And when you got someone like that who's that much better and older than you, you um, I'd end up in tears a lot, but it taught me you know, I've got to earn my victories, and that was my first taste of trying to win and be competitive, I think. And uh, I knew when I got to about sort of 14, 15, 16, when I started beating my brother, and I spent the first half of my life trying to trying to be him, and then the second half of my life, I've, I've tried to be better than him. So, um, yeah, it was it was cool, and he's been there for some good moments of my career as well, and he's obviously followed from, from afar from when, he, when he's working and stuff. But, yeah, all, obviously it all starts from the family and... Um, I owe them a lot from how it began because they never forced on me, but they've always been there to support and drive me to games. And uh, they're always first on the phone when things are going badly, as well as as well as well as good as well. So I think I've given them a lot of enjoyment over the years as well. It's nice to pay something back to them. Jack, um, so uh, we're just going to move on and talk about your professional career. So obviously you had a, a really successful spell initially with Northamptonshire. Um, I think you uh, you took four wickets on your debut uh, for Northampton as a pro, and then. After a successful yeah. spell, you, you you moved on to Yorkshire and and you you, you were involved in back to back county championships and you were in a changing room with, I mean you're a legend yourself, but you were in a changing room with some real serious legends of the game, weren't you? Uh, in, in terms of uh, who you were playing with, and I think you said to us yesterday on the sort of the pre the pre chat that you you sometimes looked around the dressing room and and you sort of couldn't believe the player the caliber of player that you were teammates with. Yeah, you're right. Uh, like Northants was such a good grounding for me, and I was thrown into the deep end a little bit because my first year there, I purely played second team cricket just to get used to what being a professional cricket was like on your body more than anything, um, and adjusting and trying to get a robust bowler bowler body. Um, so I played three first team games, I think, my first summer, and I obviously showed that I was good enough. I just need to be consistent and get a chance. And there was a few. Um, so cold packs at North Hans still at the time. Johan Vanderbath, who was a very fine cricketer and used to bowl absolute rockets and whack it miles. Very aggressive. Um, someone that I was looking up to at the time and David Capel pulled me aside at the end of the summer. He said, I want you to be next summer. I want you to be our Johan Vanderbath. Um, he's not coming back because of his visa. You're going to take his spot. And I'm like, what are you on about, mate? I'm 25. I've hardly played any cricket. But you want me to emulate a South African international? of a long time, who bowls absolute rockets, whacks massive sixes, got a thunderbolt arm, smokes, drinks. <laughs> He's like a miserable git who like who almost hated cricket at that point. I was like, I'm not sure. And he goes, no, I just want you to be our aggressive strike bowler and get into that mindset. That's all I want from you next summer. Just, you know, you've got your opportunity. It's, it's yours if you want it. So I decided I would, um, I would try and be that aggressive, as, as aggressive as I could with body language and mindset, not as much the verbals, I've never really been a sledger, but just just sort of, I've got that opportunity with the new ball for a first-class team. 
got nothing to lose. I might as well give it a crack. So, um, and it just went from there. And I realised that um, sort of along the way, I'm learning on the job. But you sort of other people are sitting up and taking notice. Other counties. Um, I never really thought about leaving Northampton to be honest. I thought I'd have a few years or a year and say I was a professional cricketer and go back to club cricket in an office job. But then you got Yorkshire knocking on the door, and after two years, I think um, I think it was Worcester, Yorkshire, and um, Warwickshire sort of came in to speak to me like you're out of contract you fancy joining us and I wanted to stay loyal to Northants and um, I really enjoyed it I've still got some really good friends there and it's a quality little club to play for and they haven't won anything for a long time then but they've had a bit more success re- recently but uh, I just love playing there and I had a really good role I was kind of um, leading the attack I was playing a lot of cricket only really missed games when I was injured or um, being rested which didn't happen too often then so I knew that if I moved, it would have to almost start again. But you know, how often these big moves come about? Will it make a big difference money-wise? Which all these things you've got to weigh up. And then, so I gave it. I signed another contract at Northampton. Signed another two-year deal with a clause saying if we didn't get promoted after year one, I could leave easily out of my contract, um, which they agreed to amazingly. Um, wasn't expecting it, but they knew that. I think because they, they wanted to do anything to keep me for another year. I was on the England Lions setup back then as well. And uh, had another good year. Sort of got injured about near the back end of the summer, but it was clear that Northampton weren't going to get promoted. So I, I sort of told, told David Capel and, and the chief exec, look, um, I want to go. I think this is my only chance. I'm going to be 28. I'm going to get a big move. This is my only chance. And I want to play for England. I want to win titles, championships. Um, at the time, I wasn't bothered where, but. I knew that I needed to give it a crack. And even when my teammates were saying to me, like, what are you doing here, Brooksy? Like, you need to you need to move on from us now. So um, it was tough, but ended up out of the 18 first-class teams, and I was playing for one of them. So the 17 remaining teams, I think 14 or 15 of them got in touch with my agent <laughs> and uh, ended up only speaking to six of them and only met up with four of them, five of them maybe, which was an experience. When you got Peter Moores, who was at Lancashire, wants to come and meet you in a hotel and uh, not in a room but, and uh, <laughs> in a, get a nice uh, hotel and sort of wine and dine you. I went up to Nottingham and Mick Newell took me out for lunch and um, I got a tour of the new ground at Old Trafford like wherever I was going they were p- pulling out all the stops to try and get me to go there and make it like this is a club for you and all this sort of stuff and luckily I was old enough to sort of sort of take it all in not sort of commit right there and then and then Dizzy had taken over at Yorkshire the year before and <laughs> he, uh, he'd never seen me bowl live and Martin Moxon had seen me the year before and spoken to me about Yorkshire and I said look I'm not ready to leave maybe next year so they came back in again and I could see that they had some quality young players they just got promoted back up to Div 1 um, it's a cool place to probably go and live cool place to play cricket Jason Gillespie's the head coach some, someone I look up to someone I watched a lot on TV like a bit of a character but also just an amazing bowler. And he played in a quality team as well. So there were so many box tickets. I was like, I need to meet this guy, see what he has to say. What's he going to do? Like all these people have taken me out for dinner, lunch, put me in hotels. And he just rang me up. So Brooksy, uh, I'll meet you at Leicester Forest East Services uh, on so-and-so at whatever time. We'll go for a coffee at Costa. See you there. So I was like, oh, great. So I meet him on the M1 <laughs> Leicester Forest Services. This just sums up Dizzy, really, and why we go on so well, just as friends not just as sort of player coach but he turned up with his I think his eldest son who would have been about seven or eight 
we sat in Costa. I only had to drive like 40 minutes. He had about an hour and a half trip from Yorkshire. So at least he did that for me and um, paid for a coffee. We just sat and talked and we had about an hour. And Jackson, his eldest, was just sat on Dizzy's phone the whole time playing games. We just sort of nudged his dad like, Dad, look at this. And Dizzy was like, oh, yeah, cool. So he would just sort of watch his son playing games on his phone for a bit. And I just thought, this guy's so laid back, a bit of me, like a bit funky. And we chatted. We didn't agree anything at all. Bear in mind, I left that meeting just like, I've met him now and I've got to decide. And Dizzy told me later on, in my, after a few years, over a beer, he goes, I knew when we, you left that, that meeting, I knew you were going to sign for us. And I was like, well, I didn't. So how did you bloody know? But it was a tough decision. And Middlesex were keen as well. Angus Fraser was, was pushing hard, but then they were prioritising James Harris. And uh, I knew Yorkshire wanted to sign two seamers. I didn't know who the other one was at the time. It turned out to be Liam Plunkett, who ends up being my best mate, best man at his wedding. Knotts wanted a, a seamer who could bat eight. And I'm like, I don't think I'm your man, mate. I think that eight's a bit much for me. If you see me, at, <laughs> I don't bat eight for Tingson first. But <laughs> so I let, let the Yorkshire move became a lot more apparent. And I had a medical. And I went up for a medical, having not agreed anything. And Martin Moxon just walked into the office, into the physio room and gave him a contract. He was like, I suppose you want to sign this before you leave then. And I was like, well, I haven't come here to sign it, but yeah, bugger it. That's it. Because I drove through the gates at Headingley and you see the pavilion, uh, the pavilion. you see all the indoor school, you see the montage, all the old school players, massive names like the big gates and Headingley of all of its history. And I played there once and I was like, this is an amazing place to play for a Seema as well. It does a lot for a Seema. Um, and I just do that. I thought this is going to be an experience like this is the toughest challenge out there in county cricket, especially for a non-Yorkie play for Yorkshire. Um, why not give myself the best challenge out there and to say that I might not have done all right, but I'll give it a crack. Um, but I was just a confidence of, I don't know, really. I didn't really overthink it, I think. And um, so I signed there and then and <clears throat> I moved up uh, beginning of November that winter in 2012. And I, um, I moved in with Liam Plunkett on day one, the Sunday before we were due to start training. Um, we moved in together and yeah, it's like that Yorkshire experience. At times it was just looking around the changing room going, some of the cricketers in this room is just incredible. We signed all have the best overseas players every year. So you've got like Kane Williamson, Aaron Finch, Gwen Maxwell, um, Pajara, like some unbelievable overseas players. Added to the fact I get to share the new ball with Ryan Sidebottom, who's like a proper legend, proper gun, a uh, big character. We obviously had a you know, good bonding as a, a scene bowling partnership. Tim Bresnan, like Liam Plunkett, like I said, Adil Rashid, and then you've got the likes of Live, Balance, Root, Bairstow, who hadn't really played for England but were on the radar and they were all coming through together. Um, you had just good, solid pros like Richard Pyro and Steve Patterson. Andrew Gale was a quality captain, like to be part of that group. And uh, our, our net sessions, like pre-season nets, I remember some of the senior players like Joe Stairs at the time and even Gailey and other guys who were coming out of the nets saying, it's like an international net. Like the bowlers just keep coming. You don't get respite against any of our bowlers in the nets. Like we're all trying to rip their heads off or get them out. And all the way through the summer, you're pushing each other. You know, if you lose your spot, you might not get it back. So everyone's just pushing each other the whole time, but in a really nice way. Everyone wants each other to succeed. Um, and you got dizzy just barking orders and uh, just basically setting out a plan, saying this is what you're going to do. You're going to train hard. We're going to have a train to a set process and plan, but then when you play, that's it. Freedom, you've done the work, you go and do it and show us what you're doing and please the crowd. He always was big on going entertain, which um, 
I was big on. So I like prattling around within reason. But um, yeah, like the Yorkshire experience, I I still look now and pinch myself for the titles we won. And people I play with that era of cricket, that championship team was unbelievable to be part of. And good time in my life, which I look back on. And Jack, 2016 was probably arguably your, your best season, um, taking more wickets in Division One than, than anybody as a fast bowler. Uh, and you won back-to-back to- tro- trophies. And I, I remember a lot of us remember watching them. Uh, when you picked up that first county championship trophy, and I know that you celebrated hard and long into the night because we saw lots of uh, images about that. That must have, to you, felt from 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 a Tiddington boy, a, a local village cricketer, to, to get to the pinnacle of inter- uh, of English national uh, first-class cricket. It must have been like pitching yourself a, a dream come true for you. It was, yeah. Well, it's the pinnacle for all county cricketers to win the county championship because it's it's so hard. It's even it's so hard to win a game over four days, let alone eight, nine, ten of them to try and win a title. Um, some really good cricketers, international cricketers over the years, have never won a county championship. And you're part of a county that's supposed to win it that hadn't won it for so long, so the crowd is sort of baying for you. But we had a team we just missed out in 2013 to Durham. They went on a bit of a run and sort of blew everyone away. But there was a turning point in the summer where they beat us at Scarborough where we never recovered from but we knew then that we had the team to win it we just needed to be a bit better and tighten up a little bit which we then went on an unbelievable run for three years where i don't know we maybe lost like two games at home or maybe one game at home or so but it was um it was an incredible experience and that first title was a culmination of a lot of hard work it obviously meant a lot to the Yorkshire players and the academy lads and a lot of them have played together. But for me, as the outsider to come in and sort of prove himself in that environment, to have a decent role as well. I was you know, part of that four-man attack that was always playing. And other than playing for England, it was all I wanted to achieve in my career. I wanted to win a county championship. And it looked like I'd, I'd made the right decision at that point. At Trent Bridge, when we were about to receive the trophy, I just burst into tears. I was with Livy and rash and rooty or something arms around each other i just started crying i was like i've never cried at a career game since i was like probably about 12 getting out in a tiddington third game like it's like this is unbelievable how it's making me feel and then in the change you see another grown men cry and all these you know big name people and it was um it was a hell of an emotion to win it the first time and it will never ever be beaten that emotion i got and the second year was amazing just to back it up to prove a lot of people wrong and to win it at Lords was the icing on the cake. To say I've won it twice and once was at Lords was special. Like we've had some good piss ups with with cricket, but winning it at Lords doesn't get much better. Um, as a county cricketer who's never going to play for England, like it's pretty special. And then the, obviously we tried for the three peat, and I've been pretty consistent every year there or thereabouts with the wickets. I knew my role. It wasn't quite to be, unfortunately, and um, there were some tears in the end in the change room at, at the end of that last game at Lords as well because. Obviously, they won the title off us, which was heartbreaking to try and get that close to a third title. Um, there was a few of us in tears again that summer. And Dizzy was leaving as well, which was emotional for a lot of us because he was like a proper guru. Like, a lot of us idolised him. So there was going to be a new era of Yorkshire cricket after that. Yeah, it was the emotions I've had with, with cricket have been incredible. And I'm not sure how they'll ever match them, to be honest. And that's without even playing for England, which would have taken it to another level completely, I would have thought. But... Yeah, it's nice when you've been part of a successful team you can share and celebrate with each other. That's the best part for me about playing cricket. It doesn't matter what level it is. It's the uh, it's the, it's the, you know, the camaraderie you have with your, your mates. Hopefully they're good mates, the guys you're playing with. 
and um, to win something and to celebrate and have memories together. That's the main thing. And um, I'll look back on it in, in a few years and I'll be able to trigger straight back into certain emotions from moments during my career and all be from sat in the change room or wherever we were with, with those lads drinking and celebrating, drinking out the trophy. Jack, I was going to add one or two two things there. I nearly cried when Oxford Downs twos went from Div three to Div two in Chilwell League. So I, I never thought I'd I'd get the chance to, to go off. A, so I had to bring it in. I have to bring it Oxford Downs twos. It's 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 actually in my contract that I've signed just recently. So it's be in there. <laughs> uh, but it is a great. Is, is, List, is Listy watching this or not? Is, is Luke List watching this? He, he, no, probably not. He, he wouldn't lower himself. Well, I can, to be honest. I still need, to, oh, I still need to apologise for smashing his thumb in one, one year. <laughs> You're not the only one who's done that over a period of time, <laughs> Listy. I can assure you. He was busy at the ground today doing hedge trimming, so he, he's done a great job for the club today. So yeah, oh, he's useful. Fantastic. He's useful. I I wanted to. <laughs> to ask you there the inspirations you, you you know we've mentioned but from the the you know the clubs you've played for the Northampton and Yorkshire I'll come to first who who there firstly is a, a massive inspiration and also who's got the dirtiest kit bag in the changing room dirtiest yeah um, at North Ants, the wicketkeeper wicket there, David Murphy, was the grubbiest and smelliest bloke I've ever met in my life. And his kit was everywhere, all over the shop. And it was stinking as well. It was proper horrific. At Yorkshire, um, I had to change in between Bresden and Plunkett, who were both very messy and just so much disdain for their kit. Quite often would pack up a kit at the end of the game. I'd end up with one or both of something from theirs, like a thigh pad or some smelly kit or whatever. Uh, who was it? Somerset. Somerset had quite a tidy bunch, to be honest. Some stupidly, like Trescothic was stupidly organised. Trying to think, any of them were particularly grubby. What's yours like? I like to. Th well, I'm very particular when I arrive and let out my kit, and I put certain stuff on hooks, and I always have one shirt on a coat hanger, and I have my headband with it, and I just re I just like my stuff ready for when I use it. But then, a couple of days into a championship game. Stuff can get a bit all over. It depends how cramped it is. I like to keep everything together. And when I've come out, come out batting, I don't tend to put my kit back in really neatly each time. It'll just be dumped on top of my bag. But it just allows batters or other, someone else to come along and pinch your bat or start messing with your kit, unfortunately. But no, as the North Ants people there, that obviously I looked up to Johan van der Vaart because he was someone I wanted to emulate at the time. Dave Ripley was a top coach. He was sort of the first coach that took me under his wing. He was a second team coach at the time, so I spent a lot of time with him. Um, he was really good. And then at Yorkshire, it was um, mainly dizzy, really. But just talking about bowling, side bottom was so good. He'd, he'd know what to say and when to say it as well. But dizzy was the guru. But you can't not listen to people when you just look around. What are the same as you've got Bresden and Plunkett? And, um, Steve Patterson, who's like a wily old pro and... There were so many people you could turn to or speak and talk about cricket or you um, wanted everyone to do really well. It was really fantastic environment. Um, that's, that's amazing, isn't it, that you had so much, you know, not only the experience, but, you know, real talent within the dressing rooms of where you've been. So, you know, it's been a massive help on you, I would have thought, over time. I was just I was just laughing at, at Tuvis, obviously, after a few LBWs, I reckon, he's... 
he's put that message on there about, about Don. I, I'm sure that's what he's after. Tubes <laughs> played in Tubes uh, played in Tillingson's President's Day last year, where um, I actually featured in it as well. So I got to spend the day with him. He's a good man. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm just looking. I'm just looking through loads of things here, Jack. There's some lovely things coming through. I think the the thing is, that, you know, um, from Irving here, thanks for your support of the Lord Taverners. Uh, that's that, that's brilliant, and obviously that's what we're doing. If you've had entertainment tonight, please give generously if you can. If it's a pound or two, then happy days. It will be uh, fantastic if you can do that. Gilo saying how how proud. He is uh, you being one of our own and obviously being the ambassador to Oxfordshire Disability Cricket as well um, is, is just brilliant. I know Kieran, he's, 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 he's hovering. He wants to ask you another question. Yeah, Jack, I, I, something that I was, uh, I was always really intrigued intrigued that with your career obviously um you, you as you mentioned briefly um you got into the england lions side um and there was a hope wasn't there we we were all hoping i know that that you were going to make that next step but at, at the time you're in the england lions you you were sort of competing against some absolute superstars um in the england side so as you said unfortunately you never quite got to that stage but but the fact that you were in the England Lions, I mean, that must have given you such a lot of pride and their family is such a lot of pride to even get that, that sort of pride and that close. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, a, it was surreal the first time I got called into it and suddenly there's a bit more attention on you from national newspapers and media and stuff. But I was still at Northlands at the time, just sort of playing for a laugh. And I was taking it serious, but I wasn't as serious as I was when I, by the time I got to Yorkshire. Um, and I, ne I genuinely never thought up until probably 2015 that I was good enough or could potentially play for England. It took me until then when I was 31 to actually have the mindset and the confidence to say, look, I'm, I'm ready, I'm good enough. So if it had happened before that, it would have been fantastic, but I wouldn't have potentially had the confidence, which is probably random coming from someone like me who probably looks like he's quite a confident chap, but it got to the point now I was so comfortable in, in my game and knew it that well that if it ever happened then I was ready and generally believed I was good enough. I was told I was good enough. So unfortunately, um, I wasn't good enough because I never got picked, which is ultimately the uh, what happens in sport. If you, if you play for your country at something, it means you're good enough. If you don't, then you're probably not. But it's probably a little bit of bad timing in that in terms of um, a very settled quality England test team. Anderson and Broad are two of the best ever and they're already going to be set in stone with their spots. So you're competing for basically one or maybe two spots. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, but I'd rather it was like that in a way than just given a cap because you're part of a, a poor England team. Cap's handed about willy-nilly, you know. I'd like to have earned it if I was going to play. Um, I couldn't have done much more in a county game other than maybe take larger wicket holes like take us some seven and eight fours just to really bang the door down but I was just really consistent at three fours and fives and uh, and winning matches with spells really and I'm proud of what I've done and to play for England would have been unbelievable don't get me wrong but I'd have to have been pretty special I think to have played in that era and to have got close to have been spoken about to have got in a 30-man World Cup initial squad to have played for England Lions to have played with and against the vast majority of the last however many England players over the last few years and to pit myself up against them in, in the levels they got to, almost. Um, it's pretty special and I've overachieved, to be honest with you. And I've, <laughs> I remember sat down with my dad about four or five years ago 
another one of our chats where we don't have them too often, but um, he generally is like, I think you, you've done bloody well. Like you, um, you probably wouldn't have ever knew you were going to do what you did. Like you couldn't have dreamt what you'd achieved. And um, he, he wasn't putting me down by saying you'd overachieved as well. But I was like, I know what you mean, Dad. But I've overachieved. Never would have thought this would happen. So playing for England would have been icing on the cake. But it's just, uh, unfortunately, it was a step too far for me. And um, I'll never give up the hope because I need that spark to get out of bed every day. But realistically, obviously, it's not going to happen now. But, you know, it was good fun to be involved with at the time. Um, I was just going to ask one thing, um, which was, for me, was a personal highlight watching you and, and, and stuff. You, you weren't renowned um, for your batting, but the first class hundred against Lancashire of all teams, the, uh, the infamous backdrop at the end, 109 not out, Jack, and uh, I think everybody was singing your praises. And uh, it was, again, like your whole career, a surreal day. But can you just sort of talk us through the end? Was it just one of those days where everything came off or were you just in a different zone that day? Yeah, it was uh, every dog has its day, doesn't it? If you bat that many times, you're going to have one day when all it's the middle of the bat or the edges go in the gaps, which, to be honest, it wasn't pristine knock. I managed to soak up some time to begin with. with Jack. I was batting with Jack Leaning. We we're just trying to avoid the follow-up or just get a decent score. Rose's games are tough at the best of times. There was a really short boundary one side and they it was a very spin-friendly pitch at Old Trafford so they had played four spinners or something like that. Um, they, well, they had three and a part-timer and we had two spinners playing so there was going to be a lot of spin ball and there was a short boundary one side so that's just like woohoo, just like gamble and the odd one might come off and I managed to get a few away and it will go down and as my, my favourite after dinner story when you you know the guys that were playing that game international bowlers Jimmy Anderson I got 100 and Jimmy Anderson was playing although he broke down after three overs and never actually faced the ball um, you had Ryan McLaren who was a South African international um, Tom Bailey who's just a very good county bowler um, Simon Kerrigan he's one of Ashes Stephen Parry's played at a World Cup I think there was Liam Livingston as well who's obviously played international cricket but um, yeah, like there was a few horrible shots that went in gaps. So I've just cleared the rope, but you know, I'm going to have that for the rest of my life, aren't I? I'm going to have that one opportunity and I'm 94 not out overnight. I could have tried to do it the night before in the last over. The Lanks lads were trying to wind me up to try and bop it, try and do it that night, but I wasn't taking the bait. So I'd rather sleep on it and come out the next day. But Gary Balance was captain for Yorkshire and we got such a score by that point that the, the next morning he said, um, we're going to declare and if we'll give you about half an hour no matter what we're going to bat for half an hour but then we're declaring so you've got half an hour to get your six runs and everyone's obviously wanted me to do it but he said just don't piss about it took me 24 minutes of that 30 to get them I was getting them in singles I was blocking the straight ones I wasn't taking any risk um, I made sure I chewed it up got got six singles and then um, had a bit of a, a moment where I didn't really think through what I was doing and lost it for a bit did the bat drop, which hadn't planned it at all. Rooty's since gone on and done it and stolen my thunder, and then he's regretted doing his. But I don't, I don't regret doing mine, mate. But yeah, it was special. Not many people have got uh, roses hundreds. Obviously, first class hundreds are decent to get, but to get a roses hundred as well for someone like me, who's I said I should bat at nine more often. So I usually stuck down at ten or eleven. So give me a chance at nine. Come on, that's what happens. So. Um, yeah, I was quite cocky about it. I would say perhaps Nottinghamshire had had, a, had had the idea there when they said about eight. Wow. Just imagine what I could have done at eight. Jack, I'd love to delve in more to the, the Roses clashes because that must have been an amazing experience to play in, in, in one of those or more than one of those. Can you just give me what the atmosphere was like for that? Feisty. 
<laughs> on field and off field. Brilliant. I mean, I don't know how many of the uh, Roses T20s you'd have watched on TV on the Friday nights over the last few years, but they're like international games. And the guys who have played international cricket have said it. That is the atmosphere at the Roses T20s, whether they're Old Trafford or Headingley. They are as good as it gets in international cricket atmospheres. So if you're never going to play international cricket, make sure you soak it in. And I played in one at Headingley, which was a tie. And the, to go down to the last ball, when they, they need a three to win and hit a two, but with the Headingley crowd, like I couldn't hear anything. I've done it the third man, I think. I couldn't hear anything on the field. We get told where to move. And the hairs are, honestly, it's one of those moments you're just like, this is incredible. Yeah, they're unbelievable. You get abused when you're on the terraces in front of uh, the Old Trafford faithful. Um, and they, they get heckled in front of the Western Terrace and things thrown at them when they come over the Pennines. So um, even the Champo games get tasty. There wasn't one game that didn't erupt at some point. And they went out of their way to try and get out of their box because without putting them down we were a better team than for the time I was there so one of their tactics was to try and rile us and to put us off our game a little bit so a few of them would would have some choice words but most of the time we were just like are you giving it just fight down bigger um, but some of our lads couldn't resist the bait sometimes you know Andrew Gale took it once and got banned but they were unbelievable to be part of because everyone seemed to take an extra interest in them they always had something extra going on so you could debate it and uh it's always a bit friendly because I'm good friends with a couple of Langs lads, and you used to play them so much in the championship, both regional groups, like friendlies. Second teams are always playing against each other because it's 40 miles away. So you know these guys well, but just as soon as you get on the field, they just everyone's turns into a different animal. It's a um, different breed up north. There's a lot of passion and pride at state. You forget a lad like me who's a bit of an outsider. Well, so I was taken in by them, but I was still effectively an outsider to begin with. Them. I loved them, and I'm proud of my record in the uh, in the championship roses games. That I think I played eight of them in the eight games that we played them, and we never lost any. Lost the 2020, I think, but we never lost a championship game against them, which meant a lot to me and to the team I was a part of because it was always the one you want to get up for. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know. I know. Kieran's he's he's wants rapid fire questions here. I, I'm just going to ask the one thing that. I mentioned to you yesterday the, the, there seems to be a few more people getting on the head headband wagon jack and is that is that is that riled you a little bit or is that just good good pleased <laughs> to be part of it it's about time it's taken off mate it's taken 12 years for my fashion accessory to take off hasn't it um, i'm will, loving it do you think this will the proof in the pudding <laughs> the proof will be if they wear it to uh to play the test matches in wouldn't it Brilliant. Kieran, over to you. I know you're ch jumping at the bit there. Yeah, I've always. So I've got some quick questions that have come in, Jack. Quite a few of them, actually. Ironically, a few of them are sort of questions that we asked in the in the, the pre-chat yesterday. So uh, I think we've sort of touched on this in some ways. That The biggest character that you've played with in professional cricket? Biggest character? Wow. That's difficult to pinpoint that down with um, so many people that I play with that are huge characters. In the Yorkshire dressing room, there was just so many people clambering for attention and, uh, and sort of big characters. Someone like a side bottom who's quite quiet, but when they talk, like, it's the way they held themselves. Bresnan, he's a massive character, proper Yorkie lad. Liam Plunkett, again, someone that just demanded sort of respect. Um, everyone just sort of would give it him quite easily. Then you go to Somerset and I play with Trescoff. Like, it's mainly the guys that I've looked up to or would have seen on TV. I was always out damning mm. a little bit extra, somewhat like Tres Gothic, just because the man's 
been there, done it, hasn't he? He's an absolute legend. Those sort of guys, yeah. someone like Dizzy, Dizzy was my coach, such a big character. Never wanted to please and looked up to him. He just sort of, they're the guys you put on a little bit of a pedestal. I, I got, I've got to mention um, one of the biggest characters in Yorkshire's history, which you, you, uh, I think you know and love him. We all do, really. Dickie Bird. You, uh, you, you gave us a few stories about Dickie. Obviously, he used to travel home and away with you. And uh, uh, he, he is yeah. Mr. Yorkshire, isn't he? And I know you've got uh, something that was mentioned yesterday about his uh, his time stood at the bar in a hotel once. Uh, price of a packet yeah, of crisps. Man, him a bit. He's a great man. Like Dickie is hilarious. Um, thinks everyone should play for England. You go and have a chat with him. You're like, you, play, you should play for England. You should play for England, you chap. But he used to come home and away. He was president for two years. 14 and 15, so he got to be president for both the title win, which he loved because he got one up on Boycott because Boycott was in 2013 and we didn't win anything under him. So Dickie loved that. But Dickie used to come watch his home and away, didn't miss a game, and he'd come on the bus for the away games, um, which the guys love because it's a bit of an inner sanctum. You don't really want too many hangers on or people outside of our little bubble. Um, you'd let like the scorer and the media man, Dave Callahan, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but um, and Dickie. But then that'd be about it because Dickie was a president. Everyone just loved him, got around him. He most most used to sleep anyway. He's quite an old chap, isn't he? But um, yeah, I remember at Taunton at the hotel bar because Dickie would. Have, I think part of the reason he came on these games was because he got free food all day. You know what tight Yorkshire are like. But he went to the bar to get a packet of crisps in the evening because he wanted a snack. And uh, a lot of us were sat in the bar in the uh, in the hotel. Dickie went up and he was like a packet of crisps, please. and the guy was like, "Yeah, that'd be one pound thirty. How much? How much? Put that back. Put that back." And there was kicking off about the price of a packet of crisps, and uh, so instead he just t- took his money back, threw the crisps back to the to the barman, and walked out and went to the local petrol station about forty yards away. And went and bought a packet of crisps for like eighty p from there. Absolute tight off. He's a multi-millionaire. He's got the biggest selling sports autobiography ever. And he wouldn't spend an extra 40p on a packet of crisps. But um, no, he's a belter and lads really appreciate him around. And you come into the change rooms at the end of the game and have a drink with us. And yeah, he's a massive character, isn't he? Just uh, one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. He is. Just a couple of last bits and pieces from me. Question. So we, we've all seen this uh, on Sky Sports previously. Um, a little bit of uh, Jack Brooks TV. Um, I think you uh, took a camera around for one of the seasons. We saw Dizzy in, uh, in all his guises. You considered maybe when it is finally time to hang up the headband to maybe sort of go into a sort of a media career? Because I think you're a bit of a, a natural, personally. But uh, what, what, was, what would your thoughts be on that? Well, if you get the top job at Sky, you can hire me, can't you, K-Dog, after this? You and Woodsy probably running Sky in a few years. Like this? Well, I don't mind that side of things. <laughs> You've been framed, maybe. But... Um... Yeah, I, 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 do like the side of, I do like the side of it. I like doing the punditry and commentary as well. I've always been interested in that side of things. Apparently, I've been suited to it, but I mean, I just need to improve at it really and and get a chance. But I don't know, to be honest, if I'm if I do want a full time job in the media yet. Um, I don't mind doing a bit of part time stuff and everything. But yeah, some wise bloke at Sky when they did that documentary, um, the producer was like, "We want somebody to take this camera with them everywhere and get as much behind the scenes, behind the scenes footage because we obviously get the behind the scenes." But if you've got someone else with a handheld. You can get that little bit extra and maybe the odd little gem. Who would be keen to do that? And basically most of the lads just turned and looked at me and were like, you'll do that. You, no one else would be interested in doing that. And literally no one wanted to do it. So I did it and carried this camera around with me for 12 months. And um, 
got a lot of good footage which they didn't use and um, I'm just waiting for the the proper DVD of that to come out because it would sell millions and um, they actually gave me an extra DVD with a lot of the outtakes they didn't use on it so maybe I'll bring out my own one one day and copy that yeah no it was just good fun and they timed it well because we won the league that year so there was a lot of good stuff going on we were like the the envy of a lot of other cricketers and people getting like a really good insight into what county life was like at that club at the time who we were so successful with a lot of the names we had um it was just a really good documentary and um i still watch it now and again when it comes up on t on sky now it's still um still a good watch now it's um yeah it just tickles me i can't believe daryl's let this whole interview go without trying to convince you to play for his over 50s i know you're a little way off that but i'm amazed he hasn't asked because he probably will at some point uh, i know you i know you said that you're off the shit through and through so don't be surprised if, uh, if that mad irish man there starts uh, offering that i know you're a few years well, I'm still what have I got? i'm still 14 years off the over 50s and i'm I already can't walk properly, so um, we'll see what state my rig's in in about 14 years, shall we? I'll be in the over-70s then, Kieran, by the way. <laughs> Wishing my life away. Thanks for that, buddy. <laughs> this would be a gravy. <laughs> Jack, we always ask this. Come on, we, we haven't asked it tonight. Superpower, if you have one, what would it be and why? Superpower. Um, I'd like to be able to time travel. Back and forward, It'd be quite cool. It would be cool. That would be cool. I like my history. I go back. I'll keep going back. I'll keep going back in time to historical events. Really? Yeah, the time when Don gave Darren out LBW or something, that'd be good. I might have been a bit abusive when Don gave me out LBW once, actually, if I remember rightly. Oh, but yeah. you wouldn't do, if you did it once, you wouldn't do it again. No, I never have actually. Straight. <laughs> He genuinely has. He genuinely has a black book. So um, I know a few of my mates just kind of get triggered by him. Like two of my good friends in the, in Oxfordshire, Tim Morgan of Rowan and Simon Hull at Shipton. Two good blokes. Two friends. I've done seen them since they were kids, but they must have done something wrong to them over the years because they, whenever they get hit on their pads, no matter what is going there, on your way, son. Go on, piss off. Yeah. I'm definitely in that black book, I'm sure. I'm sure. You're Brilliant. in my black book as well. Is it the uh, you want to ask about the dinner date, Kieran? Don't you? Yeah, Kev Taylor books. He keeps asking about the dinner oh, date. He's asked about four times. We can't let it go without asking about it. Go on, tell us about the dinner date. Watch. People still watching this now. They don't want to hear about this, do they? No, we've still got a few watching. They haven't gone off yet. Um, yeah, well, it's um, that was a bit of a laugh. I got asked on by uh, the production company on Instagram. And I unfortunately ended up telling all my mates before I agreed to do it. So then I got bullied into doing it, particularly by the Yorkshire lads. Said, you've got to do it just for a laugh. Um, I'd never even seen the program. So I went into it a bit blind, really. Watched an episode, realized I had to make a menu and everything. And then, yeah, it was a bit bizarre. It was probably the most nerve wracking thing I've done in my life at that point because, oh, I don't mind dating girls, I don't mind cooking, um, I don't mind the TV cameras. But if you throw all them three together, and there's there could be carnage there, couldn't it? So um, yeah, I was uh, I was single and carefree back then, and um, had a nice date. I was another one off the back of it, and um, never saw her again. She moved to America, so it was a nice way of of uh, bumping me, really. But um, yeah, um, it's cringe. I refuse to watch it. It's on TV a couple of times a year still. I think I refuse to watch it. Uh, it's too cringe. But I know some people watch it, and mates get in touch and stuff. But my current miss is. Uh, 
knows about it. She wants to watch it, and I've got a DVD of it somewhere, but I'm refusing to ever show her. So she'll probably get on the best lines. You're all right. You've used them before, haven't you? So, um, yeah, it was just one of those things that you look back and you think, should I have done that? But it was such a good laugh in terms of you know, it actually didn't come across too badly. It was just very cringy and full of innuendos and stuff. It was just funny. The last question, Kieran wants to ask it. Best best batsman you've bowled to, I think, is what he wants to ask, but I've asked it now, so... It can't be Daryl Wood. No answer. Well, I, I said to him yesterday, I was like, have we actually ever played against each other, Woodsy? Because you would have been the big gun home counties player when I was a Div 3 seamer. Yeah, I don't think we did. I don't think we did. Um, when you were at Western North, then I, don't, I think we must have sort of crossed in the night other than that. Yeah. But I've been really lucky during my era to have played against some absolute belt like some good players, but the, the three or four that I put on a different level are um, Alistair Cook, just for his ability to just knock it out and grind big scores. But Peterson and Sangakara are by far the two. And, and I, I played against them when they were very good as well. Just a different level. I was lucky to play against Ram Prakash and he got double hundred. And Triscothic's got plenty of runs against me when we played against each other. They would get into my, my sort of top five. But I'd say Sangakara and Peterson are the two just for how they saw the game and played the game and didn't give a chance. Hashim Amla wouldn't be too far away as well, but I mean, yeah, that just the way Sankar and Peterson went about their business, you just thought these guys are in a different different world. Kane Williamson, Joe Root, I've been very lucky to play with those guys and played against them briefly in my early in my career, but they were still quite young then. Whenever I bowled at Kane in the Nets, it was always pretty special. But yeah, Sankar and Peterson to answer your question. Brilliant. Jack, you've been absolutely fantastic tonight. Thank you for your time. I know Kieran will probably want to um, say something before I do my last sort of piece. So, Kieran, um, over to you. Yeah, Jack, from me as well, thank you so much. It's been uh, absolutely fantastic. I knew it would be. I've been bigging you up secretly for the last three or four days, bombarding every Facebook group I've uh, I'm in. I've been threatened with being kicked out and banned from loads of Facebook groups because uh, I knew it was going to be a good one tonight. Jack, you are an Oxfordshire legend through and through. You're also uh, a first-class legend to a lot of people. You're, you're a real character. We're all really, really proud of you, mate. And uh, we're going to continue to watch your career. And uh, I'm sure that uh, you'll be uh, back in the Shire at some point playing, probably for, probably with Megas again, and he'll probably talk us through his one not out when you've smashed about 130. Um, but no, it's been... <laughs> I'll tell you what, Megas was good that day. He was a player. Don't say that. He's listening. Don't, don't tell him he was good. Oh, my God. We're not going to hear the end of that. You have been listening to The Masked Cricketer. Today's hosts were Woodsy and K-Dog. Theme music was Swing House by RKVC. It was Thrown Together by Daryl Woods and Kieran Bushnell. Special thanks go to today's masked cricketer, Jack Brooks. If you would like to make a donation to the Lord Taverner's charity, please head to justgiving.com forward slash the hyphen masked hyphen cricketer. Follow us on Twitter at masked cricketer. And if you wish to watch live, head over to youtube.com forward slash the masked cricketer and hit that subscribe button and bell. See you next time. <laughs>